Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Eat Sleep Bedlam. I have a special guest for us today. Uh, just a reminder, people are um, will be watching this on Wednesday. That's when it releases. But we are filming this on a Monday. Josh McQuistion with Sooner Scoop, who's now part of the On3 Network, is joining us today. It's exciting. He's going to talk about a lot of recruiting news. Uh, we got the Taylor Tatum, five-star running back commitment later on this week. Uh, Zion Raggins will be committing tomorrow or Tuesday. Like I said, this will air on Wednesday, so we might not get into that one as much. Uh, but it's looking good for Oklahoma. Um, you know, hopefully when this comes out, nothing has changed there. But we got Taylor Tatum this week. Uh, Williams Winnery is coming up. Um, David Stone hasn't set a date yet, but that's some uh, some names to look forward to. But it's exciting. Uh, we're so thankful for Josh to take some time out of his busy schedule uh, to talk to us. So. Without further ado, let's get to the interview. All right. So, like I said, Josh is joining us. Josh, thank you so much. Uh, with Sooner Scoop, you guys are on on three now, which is very exciting for you guys. Yeah, we we really are pleased with how that's worked out for us. I know it's been kind of a change for our people that you know, <laughs> Rivals is the only company I'd worked for, so it was a pretty dramatic thing for me to go through. But uh, you know, that sounds really that sounds <laughs> kind of crazy. I don't know why I yeah. that sounds so. <laughs> So it's such a big deal, but it, you know, it was a big move for us and, uh, it has it's worked out great. We've been really happy with, um, not only the network, but the response from the fans. I mean, it seems like everybody's been pretty pleased. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I started, uh, subscribing to you guys. I think when pretty much everyone did when, uh, Lincoln Riley left, that's kind of when it, I'm sure you got a bunch <laughs> of subscribers at that point. I followed you guys over to Sooner Scoop. Uh, everyone on the team does, does a great job. Uh, I, I met Carrie. I was in Al Eshbach's class, and so I got to meet Carrie. Uh, I had a couple classes with George, so I've met him a few times. So, uh, yeah. But, uh, you know, let's get into some recruiting news. Obviously, um, Taylor Tatum is the big one on, on this uh, Friday. Um, I think what the last I saw, it was, uh, what, a 1 or 11 o'clock commitment for him. Um, all signs have been pointing towards OU after USC had a lot of momentum, but you never know until it's it's final. What what are you thinking on that one? Well, you know what's crazy is I um you know as much talent as Longview puts out, it's wild that this would be Oklahoma's first win there since like Trent Williams. Like I mean, wow. it tells you how far back that goes. So I I do think Oklahoma's in good shape though. Like I you know you talk to people and you're right, and I I think anybody that listens to me knows I am overly cautious about hey don't count on anything we don't know until it's done. But I, I think there's a lot of reason to feel confident about Taylor Tatum. Um, I think, and it's, it's one of those interesting deals where it's not just one thing. It's not just DeMarco Murray. It's not just Oklahoma football. The aspect of Skip Johnson in the baseball program has been really big in this. So um, I, I think they've done a really nice job. And, you know, I, I know a lot of people kind of have um, presented the baseball as kind of an afterthought. Uh, Taylor Tatum loves playing baseball. And from some of the people I've talked to in the scouting uh, world in baseball, they think he has a chance to be a special kind of player, you know, in, in uh, baseball as well as football. Yeah, that's uh, definitely one to be to watch out for. Now, what do you think when people say? I know I've read some USC people say that if it was just football, he's going to USC, and so he's kind. They're kind of making OU football seem like the afterthought on that one. What What's your thoughts on that? I think I think sometimes people hunt for justifications, and it it. it, it when you do that, it always seems to be, oh, well, it's that one thing. It's got to be that one thing. And sometimes that's true. And sometimes it absolutely is. And I, if it's USC and their offense, and I mean, we, you know, OU fans can hate Lincoln Riley all they <laughs> want. There's no denying what he does offensively. Yeah. Um, 
So I, do I think that that's a possibility that it's different? Yeah, I do. At the same time, when you look, I think there are two things you have to consider. First is DeMarco Murray. I mean, that th that's a up-and-coming superstar in this business. I mean, the, the running back room he is building, when, and the fact that he's proven in the last few years, I mean, he's gone to Colorado and gotten a huge win over a bunch of big-time programs. He's gone to South Carolina, excuse me, North Carolina. I always want to say Dalen's mother <laughs> is from South Carolina. I don't know why. And then, you know, now uh, to go out in East Texas and beat everybody. I mean, th this is on three's number one running back in the country. I, I guess the on three industry's number one running back in the country. So you're talking about a, a big time guy, a huge win. It's, it's, it would be his highest rated commitment, uh, you know, for DeMarco Murray. The, um, the other side of it is this is something, and you know, I, again, if OU fans want to be mad about my Lincoln Riley praise, they can enjoy this moment here a little <laughs> bit. This has been a problem for Lincoln Riley, dating back to his OU days. Closing was not always the strength. You'd see them get these early leads. They'd get these, you know, they'd have a lot of momentum built. And then right kind of when the rubber met the road, you would see these slips and these problems. And largely are they unrelated? Yeah, probably so. But at the same time, when it happens enough times, there's something there that misses at the end. And I, I can't say what that thing is, but it is, um, there, there is a pattern there to some degree. You know, it's funny you mentioned that because I was reading a USC website when they were talking about Tatum probably going to OU, and they said, we really don't know what plan B is, and that brought flashbacks because at OU, Lincoln <laughs> would always go in on the one guy, and then if he went mm -hmm. somewhere else, you were kind of left, you know, up to not knowing where you were going to go. But, you know, we'd have to talk about the five-star defensive lineman because that's that's the big talk. Uh, Williams Winnery is obviously, you know, number one ranked player and on three now. Um, we hear we keep hearing stuff about August 1st as a commitment date. I know he hasn't actually said that. Um, I think it was his coach that said that. So uh, is that what you're hearing? Um, has OU kind of weathered the storm from Georgia? I know they had that um, unofficial visit. So what, what's your thoughts on him? Yeah, to your first question, August 1st is my expectation. That That's what I think is going to play out. Um, his coach, sometimes you get high school coaches and the player where there's kind of a disconnect. I don't think that's the case here. Jamar Mosey is a guy that... Williams has a good relationship with. There's a lot of, um, he is a coach that's active in recruiting. You know, some of these guys kind of take a handoff approach, but I, that's not the way he has handled things. And largely it's because he himself was a big time recruit once upon a time. And he kind of knows these waters. Um, at the same time, I don't know if you can ever say you fought off Georgia. Like, I mean, it just, they're, they're such a machine right now in recruiting. Um, you know, and that's the thing people, some people, you know, really don't follow recruiting, but they follow the team. As scary as Georgia is on the field, they might be scarier in recruiting. Like the way they do it and the way Kirby Smart just weaponizes everything at his disposal at Georgia. I mean, you know, that's, yeah, it's something you, Nick Saban said it a long time ago that the right, the right guy in charge and Georgia's the best recruiting job or best job in the country. And they do that. And I, so again, if he picks Oklahoma on August 1st, which, you know, to please Oklahoma fans, that's my expectation at this moment. That's what I think is going to play out. Um, I, I don't think you get to sleep on that until you have his signature in December. I mean, I, it, it's really going to be that kind of deal. They're going to fight. Um, I'm sure Miguel Chavis and Todd Bates know it. There is absolutely no let up. And, you know, they have, all the, they don't have to think that far back. I mean, they had David Hicks. They had Colton Vosick. Like, they've seen these beats in the way that, you know, a commitment doesn't mean anything. And, and David Hicks obviously never publicly committed, but 
there was a clear indication that he was going to be in the class and that just didn't come to pass. So um, I like where Oklahoma is. I think what, what's one of the telling things, I brought it up several times, when I talk to Missouri sources, they're concerned about Oklahoma. That, that's, that's the school they think is a problem. When you talk to Georgia sources, they think Oklahoma's the problem. Um, you talk to Oklahoma and it's kind of like, oh, you know, we've got to watch Georgia here, but it, it feels like it's, you know, like Oklahoma's in pretty good shape. When you have a consistent school that everybody's kind of saying, I don't know what's going to happen, but if I was going to bet, it'd be them. That's not foolproof by any stretch of the imagination, but it's a pretty good indicator that it's unlikely that all three schools are misreading the situation. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And, uh, you know, with him, uh, you know, he has some teammates coming to the 2025 event. I can't remember what it's something under the stars. I, I can't remember it off the top of my head. But do you think he comes to party at the Palace with that being just a week earlier? It's a really interesting possibility because you've got, you know, uh, I mentioned Jamar Mosey, his son, Isaiah, the big time 2025 receiver. He'll be on campus. The Sooners and the Sun is what they're calling there it, it is. Uh, is what I've seen. Now, <laughs> you never know. They might decide, oh, we don't like that, and they'll change it. But I, that's my understanding of what they're going with. Um, and it's, it's a great idea, you know, to, to get those young guys on campus, let them have their big event. And then on Friday kind of have, you know, maybe 12, 15 seniors, really kind of a smaller gathering and be able to focus rather than we've got 50 kids here and, you know, the 2025 and 2026 kids feel like they're not getting the attention because the coaches know, hey, you're, you're not, you're not going to make a decision anytime soon. And the 24 guys get to, you know, they have to share their attention and you just get to split it up this way. So as long as the coaches are good with that extra night out, you know, away from their families, <laughs> then it's fine. Um, but yeah, I, I, I think there's a possibility. I have definitely not been told that. The thing that I think is probably the biggest hangup of why it wouldn't happen is largely just because I think it's a, it would be an indicator. It would tell, I mean, if he's, so if he's going to announce on August 1st, which at that point you would think, you know, uh, 10 days from now, if he's going to make a decision on August 1st, he'll, there'll be some sort of public announcement and a graphic and Hayes Fawcett and, you know, the whole nine yards kind of thing. Um, so we'll have to see what they do there because I just, I, I tend to think he won't come because it might be a thing where people would read into it, even if it's right or wrong, just say, oh, well, he's going to Oklahoma and, you know, kind of takes away from his commitment moment. Yeah, no, yeah good point there. Uh, with David Stone, you know, Tell me if I'm misreading this. I only started following uh, recruiting really heavily when I first uh, joined uh, Sooner Scoop. But, you know, he has one of his best friends, Xavier Robinson, committed. Number, another one of his best friends in uh, James Jackson, IMG Academy. Uh, Michael Patterson McDonald probably picking Oklahoma on the 31st. I just don't feel like Jaden Jackson would have chosen OU if David Stone wasn't also choosing OU. But maybe I'm just misreading it. There's a part of me that thinks Dave's got to be mad at Jaden. Like, you couldn't have waited, like, a couple of weeks, a month. Like, you couldn't have just get – because, I mean, he had to know, again, right or wrong, that that's how everyone was going to read this situation, that it was – there's they are connected. I mean, this is a for, – for those that, you know, don't follow it closely, David Stone showed up in Norman for Jaden's uh, official visit just to hang out with he and Todd Bates. You mentioned, you mentioned Michael Patterson-McDonald. When Michael got his offer from Todd Bates, David Stone was on the phone. Like that doesn't, I, I've covered it for 20 years. That does not happen. That is incredibly unusual. I can't think of a single situation like that. Now he and Michael are not, you know, there's a lot of guys that are friends, you know, Jaden and David are friends. Michael and David are very close. It's a, it's a different thing. Um, so th that has some 
connection to that. Um, but it's still, I've, I, like I said, I can't think of anything like it. Um, you throw in OU's relationship with Caden Durham and how that situation is. There's a lot. I mean, there's just, it's hard to find a plausible, logical idea of how he ends up somewhere other than Oklahoma. Like, it, it just doesn't make a lot of sense. He's visited campus probably 40 times. I mean, and the, and the kid plays high school football in Florida. Now, it's unique. I mean, we get it. He comes home. He spends all summer in Norman and, you know, or in Dell City around his family. So, like, you get it. But at the same time, it's... I can't think of a kid that's ever visited one school half that many times that didn't come to that school. That's just the way that's going to go. Now, I think there has been some convincing of his, uh, you know, I think everybody knows at this point, his mother, there was some trepidation about whether Oklahoma, you know, and being around some of the elements maybe that she, maybe that caused him to go to IMG in the first place were, was in his best interest. And, you know, that's as, as a parent, I get it. Um, so I think that's still being worked around, but I sure get the impression that that's, that's something that Oklahoma has reason to feel they can overcome. Yeah, and, and with him, you know, if you were able to get him and williams Winery, you're building that line that they talked about uh, wanting. And, and just on that topic real quick, you know, I was reading an article, it might have been from, from you guys, but where they talked about Bates and Venables knew 2024 was the year for the defensive line that they were really going to start gaining momentum and they were trying to get anywhere from six to eight. What do you think, or how, how many do you think they end up with in this class? And if you had to guess, who would that be, I guess? Yeah, we had heard, I mean, really dating back to maybe mid spring that they were, you know, if, if kind of telling people if we could get seven or eight, we'll take seven or eight. I mean, that, they, that they know that's a special group and it's, and that's why, you know, people were so frustrated last year, you know, obviously PJ Adabare, I think anybody that's ever listened to me knows, I think he's going to be an absolute superstar. Um, but at the same time, there were all these elements like, you know, coming out of last year's party at the palace, like, this class is going to be PJ Adabare and David Hicks and Colton Vosick. And you're like, wow, like this is going to be an unbelievable start to your first year of a class. And obviously it didn't come together. And one of the other guys you got, Derek LeBlanc's already gone. Um, and they, and they kind of had to work some things together. But as I look at it now, I mean, don't get me wrong. They're not going to get all the guys that everyone's, you know, they're not going to get Dominic McKinley, David Stone, Williams, Winery, Danny, Akoy. like it just doesn't work like that. Like yeah. even, even if I thought they led for all of those guys, life happens. Like, you know, it's, it, it's very much Ian Malcolm and Jurassic park. Like it just, <laughs> you know, like it has a way of, of, fi of breaking free. And so that's just something covering recruiting long enough, you know, but I mean, uh, to me, if I'm an Oklahoma fan and I'm looking at the possibility of, let's just say you've got Wyatt Gilmore, you've got Jaden Jackson, and then you add Williams Winery, uh, the two in-state products, Danny Okoye and uh, David Stone, and then you throw Nigel Smith in there, I almost don't care what the rest of that class looks yeah. like. Like you, you have put the pieces at the most difficult position for Oklahoma to recruit over the last 20 years. I mean... Williams, Williams and Airy, I forget Williams and Airy, David Stone would be Oklahoma's highest rated defensive line signee since Gerald McCoy in 2006. Williams and Airy's rated higher. <laughs> I mean, like that, that, it just, it tells you how crazy that is. And I, I guess I'm forgetting PJ Atabare. So, I mean, like you're building a defensive line there that is special. Now, 
you add, we talked about Taylor Tatum already. You add him to the equation. You add a few pieces, and this class is special. Like, I mean, it may not have everything you wanted at the start, but that's what you start to build. I mean, that's how you get to the SEC, and then you start to produce. You know, these guys under Todd Bates and Miguel Chavis, barring injuries, they're going to be NFL players. Like, I mean, there's just there's not much doubt in my mind. Williams Venary and P.J. Atabare are just freakishly gifted human beings. And um, those are your two bookend defensive ends. <laughs> I, you know, like that's not that that should make, you know, OU fans what they've watched for the last 10 years, just water up. You know, that's that's what you're yeah. looking for. So I, I like I said, I think there's going to be some misses. There's going to be some guys that OU looks great for right now that they're going to miss out on. But again, if you hit Okoye, Stone, and Winery from here, and again, Nigel Smith is, I think they lead for, but if you add him and that's your six-man defensive line class, that's the best defensive line class OU signed in since probably Barry Switzer was in Norman. Like, I mean, that, that's what you're yeah. talking about. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And, uh, you know, talk, we kind of, you mentioned Nigel Smith, and, and these two recruitments aren't really connected, but... I'm going to kind of pair them this way. Nigel Smith and Caden Durham, because you couldn't see two more different recruitments because Durham keeps you on your toes on social media. He'll retweet LSU stuff, Texas A&M stuff, OU stuff. Nigel Smith, just boomer sooner all the time. Like Jane Jackson commits boomer sooner. And, but with both, you are hearing stuff about Texas, Texas A&M for Nigel Smith. And you are hearing LSU as a real player for Caden Durham. How big of a, a threat are those schools? I know Nigel Smith is set to commit September 8th. Well, he's taken official to Texas the week before. So how big of a threat are those schools uh, to Oklahoma? Well, you know, with with it's hard to believe that Oklahoma could land Xavier Robinson, Taylor Tatum, and Caden Durham all in the same class. But, I mean, that is, that is the plan. I mean, I, you know, I know people like, are they going to take three running backs? If they can, absolutely. Like, that, that's... Mm-hmm. Um, because they bring such a unique skill set. I, you know, Xavier Robinson, I, I watched him this spring. Guy's playing at 235 pounds. Like, he's just a machine. You throw him out there as your sledgehammer. I've compared him to Lindell White. I think there's some comparison there. And, then, and even in the way that USC used him, you know, just I think there is some, there's some ways that works. Uh, you throw in, you know, uh, Taylor Tatum, who I, I've said is kind of like a Joe Mixon light. I mean, he's extremely talented, very good in all phases, um, and just a, a very gifted guy. Caden Durham's your home run back, though. I mean, like, that's a guy you toss sweep or whatever you can do to get him outside and in space, and he's just dangerous. Hmm. So, uh, you know, I, I think I would pick Oklahoma with him, but it's just interesting that it feels like every time OU kind of gets over the hill with him and they're ready to get that commitment LSU pops back up Mm -hmm. and you know you know you have to give credit um to the LSU staff they've done a great job working him really you know they know they're fighting an uphill battle they know he's got tons of family from Oklahoma his mother's an alumni I mean they know all of that stuff and they've just kept hanging around and hanging around and hanging around and it is there's no question to me I mean like if he picked LSU Tonight, once we get done with this, all of a sudden he committed. That shouldn't shock anybody. Like, it, it really is a tight race. Um, I, I think it'll be Oklahoma, but I, again, he's not a kid that you could bet on and feel confident. Uh, Nigel Smith, I know there's some talk of AM. I've heard some, you know, some people at AM that believe they're as close to that as anybody can be. But uh, like you said, man, you just watch his back. A lot of kids. If they did the things he does on Twitter, 
I would say, oh, it's a smoke screen. He's messing with you. You do not talk to Nigel and come with that feeling. Like he is a sincere kid, very direct, um, incredibly mature. You know, like he's one of those guys, like I talk to him, like you're the grown up in this conversation, whatever you want to talk about, we'll talk about, you know, like it just, he, he is a very, like I said, a very sincere kid. So I just don't think that's what it is. I don't think he thinks of it like that. It's just a boomer. You know, he says boomer sooner because, oh, you does something big and he likes, OU you a lot. So, um, I, I think you can't rule out. He's going to go to Texas the week before he announces September 1st is official. He's going to announce Friday, um, uh, September 8th at his own high school game. And, um, there's a possibility because there always is that that last visit does something crazy, but barring that, I mean, like, I don't even talk to Texas people that are like, oh yeah, they, you, you gotta look out for Texas here. It's very much a, everybody's chasing OU is the general feeling with Nigel Smith. Well, and the funny thing about Nigel Smith is we, the talk is about Winnery and Stone. Obviously, they're great players, but he kind of gets left out. You know, people don't bring him up as much, but he'd be one of the more talented uh, defense line recruits OU's had in a long time. I mean, I really love watching his tape and stuff. He's he's a very good player and shouldn't be an afterthought in this uh, defensive line recruiting class. Well, that's the cruel thing for him. I mean, you know, Nigel's a on-three top 100 defensive lineman. Let's rewind three years ago. That would have been the guy OU fans were dreaming they could get because they knew damn well they weren't getting Williams Winery and David Stone. I mean, obviously, David being in state, they would have had a chance there, but it wouldn't have felt like the mortal lock that it kind of does now. So, uh, yeah, I mean, and, and the thing that you like a lot about Nigel and honestly, a lot of these guys is they really, it's not just they're talented, they really fit into what Brent wants to do defensively. They're very um, scheme diverse. They can go three down up front, they can go four down, they can stand some of these guys up. Uh, they, they can do just a lot of different varied fronts that allows Brent to get very creative with what he's doing. And I think we all know when Brent has the talent to do what he wants to do, he's a hard, I mean, he's, he brings a lot of pressure, he puts quarterback under a lot of stress, and that's how, you know, they've had all the, he's had, you know, some of the best defenses in college football for the last 25 years. So, um, but he knows if he doesn't have it up front, none of the rest of it matters. Like it just, he can't win like that. So that's why they put a huge focus on this. And I know Nigel really wants to be recruited as a defensive end. Nigel's 265 pounds, probably, you know, when he wakes up in the morning. So in college, I, I don't see any way he's under 280 pounds. I mean, he's just a massive kid. And his dad, his dad is like six, 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 seven, and like, you know, big, long, lanky guy himself. So Nigel may still have some room to grow. I mean, he yeah. still may get bigger than he already is. Um, but there is, uh, like I said, I mean, you, you're absolutely right that it's crazy that there's any world in which Nigel Smith and even Danny Okoye, the in-state kid, kind of sometimes like slides under the radar and you're like, do you guys know how good this guy is? I mean, these are these are NFL guys, and there's so much focus on Stone and Winery that they sometimes don't get the credit I think they deserve. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Now, I'm going to kind of put you on the spot. I know you get asked this all the time in the board chat. Next three commitments outside of Raggins and Tatum, who we um, – obviously when this comes out, Raggins will hopefully be in the class, and then Tatum will commit Friday. But um, next three after them. Well, I think the one that is a little bit of a you know a little bit of a wild card is Michael Boganowski, the safety from Junction City, Kansas. Um, 
you know, and I know people will say, oh, he's 6'2", 205. I, it's been made clear to me they see him as a safety. They want him to be a big physical guy. You wonder if maybe he's got some cheetah in his future. You know, he's kind of has that type of body type and athleticism. So, you know, and they're going to call that safety. So, I mean, there's, there's some variability in that. Um, another guy I would think of is Michael Patterson McDonald, another guy in the secondary safety, came and worked out at OU's camp. And I know we mentioned him a little bit earlier. Um, Michael is a, um, you know, you talk about a guy that could be a big part of some of the dominoes falling in this class and helping Oklahoma because he is, he's one of those kids that everybody likes, but maybe everybody doesn't know yet. And as time goes on, I think, and, you know, kids come in for official visits or, you know, and him being a kid for more, if that works out for Oklahoma, he's going to be down on campus hanging out, you know, just being around the guys. And obviously his relationship with David Stone, that, that's not a bad thing for Oklahoma either. So I would say probably those two were the first to come to mind. And then if we believe what I'm talking about, you're talking about Williams and Airy. I mean, like that, that's the next guy in line. Now, you want to get into, you know, 2025, you can talk about Gus Cordova, uh, the big defensive yeah. end from Lake Travis. Um, he is supposed to be there for the, we talked about the Sooners and the Sun earlier, the, the underclassmen event. Um, so there is... There's the possibility of that, you know, Oklahoma already, I think a top three class in the country right now with Kevin Sperry and uh, Grayson Harrison committed in 2025. So they're starting to really build some momentum and um, that if you can put it together on the field and you have your quarterback and a guy, Kevin Sperry, that is just probably going to put up, I, I, he's not going to put up obscene numbers because that's not the kind of football Carl Albert plays but he's probably going to throw 24 touchdowns and two interceptions and be at Oklahoma every stinking weekend, you know, just hanging out with all the 25 guys coming down. I know he's working on recruits already, uh, knows some of the big offensive linemen in Dallas where, you know, we were talking earlier about the 24 group for the defensive line is really special and is a group that OU needed to hit on because they had a lot of good guys in their region. 2025 is that way on offensive line where this, this class in 24 is not going the way they hoped it would. But 25, three of the best offensive tackles in the country are in the Dallas area and all have yeah. been to Oklahoma several times already. A couple will be up again uh, for, the, uh, for the Sooners and the Sun event next week. So there is, um, there's a lot of ways that can get remedied, but you need guys you know, building that class. And like I said, so th this should, I would think between now and this time next month, Oklahoma should have several sources of good news to help build this these next two classes up a little bit and kind of going back to david stone real quick i, I know it's he's hard to predict because he's he, he's he's got a big personality he mm -hmm. you know you hear stuff about him loving the recruiting process i've even heard stuff lately that he might be kind of getting tired of it but how much longer do you think that goes out does he commit before his season i know once img starts it's harder to take those official visits just because of how crazy their schedule is but do you think he commits before his season starts I kind of do just because, you know, again, at some point you wonder what else, what else is he going to see? I mean, he, every school, unless somebody comes in that we're not like Georgia starts to, you know, maybe OU gets Winery and they, they pivot to David Stone or something like that. There would have to be some sort of wild card that really changes his recruitment, forces him to take a look and, gives him any reason to think that OU is not the choice because he's seen Florida several times. He's seen Miami enough times. He's seen Oregon. He's been to Oklahoma. He's been to A&M. Like, I mean, he's been to all the schools, uh, Michigan State, of course, as well. Um, 
he's been to all those schools a lot. So what is it? He's not going to take some visit and magically see something he hasn't seen or heard a you know hear a pitch that he's heard before. There's there's nothing there that adds up to me. So I to me, like I said, I think he's got to convince um, his family that Oklahoma is the best spot for him, that he's going to be in the best situation for himself to succeed. And then after that's done, I think David. Uh, I agree wholeheartedly. I don't think David is in love with the process anymore. Um, he, he's kind of worn down. It's, you know, he's a kid I've known since he was a freshman. There is a, there's definitely some fatigue setting in for him, which is saying something because David is a outgoing, super likable, <laughs> you know, just easy to engage with kind of guy. But I think he's getting near it to me though. David's going to have his moment. Like he, he may be <laughs> one of these guys that's four, six weeks out four, you know, five, six, whatever it may be weeks out announcing, I'm going to commit on this date just to build it up as much as he possibly can. Um, because that's just David's nature. Like he really likes, he's a, he's a wide receiver in a defensive ends body. Like he loves the attention. He loves to be around it. So I, but again, I just, like you said, he's not gonna be able to take many visits during the season. That's why he's so active in the spring and summer because IMG's not just playing the team down the street. They're flying to California, Pennsylvania, Washington. They're playing all over the country. Well, if you get home it's on Saturday morning, Saturday afternoon, you can't go hit an official visit. You just can't. So, um, and again, most of the schools that he would see that we know of in his recruitment are gone. I mean, he's already used those officials. So I just, I don't see much way or much reason for him to run it out much longer than, you know, some point in, you know, mid late August. And my, my last question, uh, pivoting a little bit from recruiting into the actual 2023 season uh, what would you determine as a successful season? Me and my co-host Zach, who was going to join us, but he just had a baby like a week and a half ago, so oh. he's, he's on he's on baby mm. duty. But uh, um, what would you see as a successful season? Because I, I personally, I understand Oklahoma and Oklahoma brand. I've lived in Norman for twenty years, like I, I get that. But to me, a nine and three season where the defense goes from one hundred twenty second to eighty first, you know, something like that showing improvement is actually a successful season. Now don't do nine and three every year, but nine and three for this season specifically, I think is successful. Whereas he thinks, you know, if they're not 10 and two, 11 and one, then it's a little bit of a failure um, for Oklahoma and the standard that they have. Well, we, we all know that I find a way to ride the middle sometimes. And I, I will say this, I think nine and three, if, if you saw clear and obvious improvement defensively. I think nine and three is, is successful. Is it a little disappointing? Yeah, probably it is. Um, to me, you just look at this schedule and if this was any other OU team in the last 10 to 15 years, looking at that schedule, you're like, there's no way that team loses more than two games. And even then, you feel like they're that two is they're going to lose to somebody they really shouldn't have lost to. You know, like there, there's there's nobody on this schedule save for Texas that should be able to line up with Oklahoma and match them man for man. Like I just, and I know people get mad when I say that or you know tell them that Oklahoma was more talented than TCU last year. People get mad about that. I I believe that. I just mm -hmm. do. Um, now were they as experienced and you know like all that? No. I grant all of those things that, and those have merit. They mean something. They clearly, we all saw what happened, but if Oklahoma wasn't coming off a six and seven year, that's a playoff schedule. I mean, it just is. So 
I think nine and three can be a success. I would say I would like to see that defense more in like the sixties. Like, I mean, like just yeah. again, and, and I mean more, not from a total yards. Like I'm talking like advanced metric stuff, you know, Bill Connolly, those kind of things where you can really measure apples to apples a little bit. Um, but it can be successful, but at the same time, I think anything less than 10 and two is a little disappointing. It just because, and it's, it's partially because I think this team should be better, and I think it will be in a lot of ways, but it's also because this schedule is not what it was last year. It's just not the same level, not the same degree of difficulty. Yeah, and that's kind of my thought. If, if they were 9-3 and three and it's three really close games, that they were back and forth, they lose, but you see that defense go from 122 to 80 or 70 or something, you're seeing that improvement. Whereas, like, I feel like 10 and 2 is the sweet spot. I don't think people should expect 11 and 1 just mm-hmm. yet. Going from 6 Agreed. and 7 to 11 and 1 is is kind of ridiculous uh, to think about. But, um, you know, but I think it's not, uh, 10 and 2 is really probably the spot that you're talking about would be perfect season for them, especially if you see improvement um, by the team as a whole. But I think that's uh, the last question I had. Um, do you guys have anything going on? I know uh, you were doing the $1 promotion for a little bit. Are y'all, are y'all still have that going on or anything you want to promote? No, we don't have that going on right now. Obviously, you know, there's always going to be promotions, new ones that come yeah. along, um, especially as we head towards the season. There's we're, we're still learning the ropes and on three, so I certainly don't want to promise anybody <laughs> something and not know what the, uh, the real answer is going to be. But if anyone has an interest in joining the site, please feel free to hit me up. It's just josh at soonerscoop.com. I can find you something. I can find some way to get you interested in the site, give you a little free time to make it worth your while, see what you like. Um, and then, you know, we can go from there. But like I said, I, I've rarely had anyone that came to, you know, came to the site and didn't enjoy what they're doing. I mean, it's just, it's, we've got a huge message board, a lot of interaction there, a lot of activity. Obviously, with George, the addition, we've got more team news than ever. Our guys are about to head to the SEC uh, uh, conference meetings. So um, they are. there's a lot happening. Obviously, we've talked about all the recruiting stuff that should happen over the next few weeks. So it's, it's a perfect time to sign up and then you know, head right into fall camp and have all the news coming from uh, you know, Oklahoma trying to get back on track after last season. Yeah, it is a great side. I mean, I, I still like the rivals, but on three, the one thing I love about it is I get access to Georgia or whoever I want to look mm-hmm. at. So williams Winery News, I get it from you guys. I'll go over to Georgia to read stuff um, and, and all that. So you get access to every fan side, every team side out there, and that's awesome. On three is doing great work. But, Josh, thanks so much for coming on with us. Hey, Jaron, anytime, man. Really enjoyed it. Absolutely. And thank you guys so much for watching. We'll be back on Sunday. Till next time, see you guys later. <laughs>